Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. They decided that they should encourage him to get the shingles shot, uh, that, which I guess has just recently been changed or whatever. And so he took the shot and it triggered something in him that he did not know he had, which was uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And so suddenly this guy at 80 years old who was very active and played golf, literally every morning of his life he plays golf, now his testimony is this, it takes him sometimes close to an hour to get out of bed on any particular morning and get moving enough and so he's quit playing golf and so he had this uh, resident in his life and he never knew it and something triggered it. That's the, that, those are the scary type of diseases where on the outside everything seems normal and our daily activities are uninterrupted and then all of a sudden out of nowhere something triggers it. For most of us, uh, what triggers the issues in us physically is the, the big number four zero. Like, like for me, I'm sitting in my living room at, at, at 39. On the day I turn 40, I'm studying on my iPad and all of a sudden everything goes blurry and I'm like, what in the world is wrong with me? And I ignore it and then I go to the doctor and he says, uh, when you turn 40, I said, well, I just turned 40. He said, well, then get out of my office because I know exactly what's wrong with you. You just got old. So that's what happened to you. So all just these things trigger it, these unexpected things. There's the emergence of signs that begins to reveal that there's something going on below the surface. Uh, the same thing can happen spiritually. That, that is the scary thing about RTDs, religiously transmitted diseases, is that on the surface, everything can seem normal, and at the same time, while everything looks normal and appears to be normal, there's something going on underneath that we're not aware of. In fact, I just want to let you know that you can be infected with an RTD and, and be so oblivious to it that, that you just go through daily life thinking everything is great between me and God, and everything is great in my, my spiritual life. In fact, according to scripture that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you today, you can be infected with an RTD and still be a hero of the faith and esteemed as a great man of God. And all the time, under the surface, there's something wrong. So this morning, what I want to do is I want us to go and look past the facade of, of perfection and get past all of that and look down deep into the deeper sickness that we see in, in our subject this morning because I want to show, as we wrap up this series of RTD, I want us to look at this particular sickness because I think it's one we suffer from a lot of the times, many of us. So if you will, I want you to join me in Exodus. You can just, uh, I would say, put your finger in the pages and hold them, but I know none of y'all carry paper Bibles anymore like me. It's, yeah. So just uh, get your app out, get your iPad out, however. You get to get to Exodus chapter 18 and just hold your finger there so your phone doesn't go to sleep. All right, so Moses has arrived on the scene. The children of Israel have been in bondage for 400 years, and they're like, hey, we want out of this place. We don't like this. We don't like being slaves. We don't like uh, dealing with this Pharaoh dude. So God, please help us. We need you to set us free. And they begin to cry and moan and beg God to answer their cry for deliverance, right? Moses shows up. You know the story. If you, how many of you uh, are old enough to remember flannel boards? Okay, nobody wants, oh, six of us want to admit it, all right? So you probably learned this on flannel boards. They stuck these little sticky things on this kind of, uh, never mind. Okay, so, so uh, 
So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that great. It was pretty lame, actually. But I like what we have today better. But anyway, he shows up. He's born, but uh, Pharaoh is, a wor- is worried that a deliverer is coming. And so he, he issues this decree that all the, the male babies under a certain age have to be killed, remember? And Moses' mother takes him and puts him in a basket, floats him in the Nile. Now, I have real questions about all that after I see all the documentaries on the Nile now because it's full of crocodiles. I'm just like, how in the world? But she watched over him, and you'll remember the story. Pharaoh's daughter sees the little baby in the, in the cute little basket, yeah, flannel graph, all right, and, and comes to his rescue, right? And Moses now is living in Pharaoh's household. And Pharaoh's daughter lets Moses' mother, she doesn't know it's his mother, come and nurse him until he's able to grow up strong. And then Moses is educated and lives as one of the Egyptians. The problem is, is he doesn't fit anywhere. He's not accepted in the Jewish community. He's not accepted in the Egyptian community. He's stuck in the middle, right? That's where he's living. And so... Uh, so, so now he's trying to figure out who he is and, and, and where I belong. And as a Jew, he watches an Egyptian soldier beating one of the slave drivers, beating one of the, the Israelites, right, because he wasn't working hard enough. And Moses intervenes and kills the Egyptian, right? And all of a sudden, there's an issue. And the Israelite that he was trying to save looks at Moses and says, are you going to kill me too? So he is, check this out now. I want you to notice what's going on in Moses' life. He is totally dealing with rejection. Am I right? He's, he, his, his dad's not around. His mom is just some distant memory. He doesn't fit in with the Jews. He doesn't fit in with the Egyptians. Uh, the, the very ones that he's trying to rescue reject him. He's dealing with this issue in his life. And you can see the symptoms of this sickness through his entire life. Because I want you to notice how uh, we all have, don't we all have a go-to emotion? Like all of us, all of okay, we're going to stop, and I'm going to have you tell them your, your neighbor their go-to emotion real quick. No, I'm not going to do that. So, because I, I don't want to do the marriage counseling that would result from that. But Mo, do you know what Moses' go-to emotion was? Anger. Right? Uh, he gets angry. We watch it. Uh, so so uh, the, the, the children of Israel beg for water, and he gets angry at them, and he, he strikes a rock that he was supposed to speak to. Right? Uh, God gives him these tablets with the commandments on it, and he walks down the side of the mountain. He sees them worshiping a golden calf, and he throws a hissy fit, and he breaks the tablets. Right? Anger. But how many of you know that anger is not a primary emotion? It is a secondary emotion. You don't get mad first. There's something that triggers your anger. And that is the underlying issue in his life. So I want to see if you can spot it. I want you to see if you can figure out what is causing Moses' issue and causing him to deal with anger. Let's see if we can see it. Exodus chapter 18, verses 7 through 9. And then we're going to skip down to verses 13 through 17. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. And he bowed down and kissed him. Now, that would probably fix some of our marriages right there, but I'm not going to go there. Um, They greeted each other and then went into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. 
And Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? Why all these people stand, why all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will whenever they have a dispute. It's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, sees that Moses is killing himself and killing all these people. And he, may, he asked him a question, what in the world do you think you are doing? And Moses, rather than giving a one-word explanation, gives a detailed list because he could have answered in one word. He could have said, judging. But did he do that? No. He says, okay, here it is, here's how it is, pops. These people need me. Every time they have a dispute, that the only one that can handle the dispute, the, the, come on, read between the lines, the only one smart enough the only one with wisdom enough, the only one with enough God insight to deal with their disputes is me. In fact, hey pops, in fact, I'm the only one that can tell them God's will. Read it. They can't even determine, they're, they're not even spiritual enough to get the, to determine and discern God's will. I have to deal with that for them. I have to settle their disputes. They need me to teach them what God says. That's why I'm doing all this. Listen, what's going on here is Moses is seeking affirmation from his father-in-law because of the rejection that he's experienced all of his life. He wants his father-in-law to respond and say, hey, bro, you're awesome, dude. You're the best Moses I've ever had. Right? But Jethro's, Jethro's response was, what you're doing is not good. Moses' real issue was that due to his struggle with in, rejection, he is absolutely infected with a performance pathogen that causes him that, uh, to determine in his own heart, I've got to do so much more than everybody else, and I'm the only one that can do it, and I'm the only one that can make this happen. I, I've got to perform at such a high level. I, I, I've got to be good enough. I've got to make this happen for everybody else. He is sick with this idea that he's got to perform. And I think that's the disease that a lot of us suffer with as well. It is, I think that's why, listen to me carefully this morning. Let's see, let me see if I can diagnose some of us. I think that's why many of us will ignore the most important relationships in our life and kill ourselves to impress people we don't even like. And I think that's why many of us will indebt ourselves and buy stuff we don't even need trying to get jealous looks from people we don't even know 
because we're trying to present this performance thing. I've got to be good enough. I've got to be better than them. I've got to have more than them. I've got to know more than them. I've, and we're sick. I think it's why we, uh, why we fight, fight the feelings of inadequacy to such a degree that we, I'm pulling back covers here, that we secretly long to live other people's lives. You go, well, I don't do that. Well, when you look at other people's and go, if I had their marriage, if I had their job, if I had their house, if I had their kids, if I had their car, jealous. It's why we do all these things we don't really want to do just so somebody will applaud us while we do them. I just want to make a few statements about this religiously transmitted disease that I'm calling a performance pathogen uh, that, that I hope will help us uh, come to grips and recognize and diagnose whether or not we're infected and maybe get us on a path towards health. Just a, just a couple of things that I need to, to mention to you to help us. I want you to... I want you to, um, uh, there's an old statement, physician, heal thyself. I want you to diagnose your own sickness this morning. Let's see if maybe some of us in this room, maybe it's just your pastor. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was just the worship team. Maybe it was the usher at the door. But maybe, just maybe it might be you. Would you diagnose your own sickness this morning and see if maybe you're struggling with this thing called performance pathogen where you feel like you just got to, you got to be good enough and I got to work harder and. Number one, if you're sick with a performance pathogen, it will cause you to become approval addicted. That's why some of you need so many likes on Facebook. I can't go a day without posting because I need that thumbs up. Moses needed to be needed by the people. He was so desperately seeking the approval of his people until he becomes bound by performing for that approval. Paul comes on the scene in the New Testament and he, he just like slaps us back into reality. Sometimes Paul could be really blunt if y'all had to figure that out. Uh, but, but maybe it's a good thing because in Galatians chapter 1, he, he literally takes a hand on a paper and slaps us across our face and says, wake up. Let's see if I'm right. Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul literally makes the statement and says it this clearly, that you cannot serve Christ if you're trying to please people. In fact, I want to make a statement to you this morning, and I hope it will stick with you and get down into your spirit. I want to say it like this. You cannot seek man's approval and God's purposes for your life at the same time. Can't happen. You cannot seek man's approval and still pursue the purposes of God in your life at the same time. It will not work because we become sick with approval addiction, and we want to be approved by man, and we will forget about what God has said we should be doing. See, you will remember that. Uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, back into the Moses story, I, I hope you'll remember this, that, that God got so frustrated with the people of Israel, he called them stiff-necked and hard-hearted. They would rebel and they would balk every time he would try to do something and take them into the promised land. He, they, would, they would, like, put on the brakes. And so God finally gets so fed up with it, like he's up to here with it, right? And he looks at Moses, and you remember what he says? I'm going to kill him. Am I the only one who remembers it? Say amen. Everybody remember this part? He wants to kill them. 
He comes to Moses and said, I'm going to destroy them all, and I'm going to start over with you. Right? Do you remember what Moses did? He begs God not to. One of the indications of whether or not we have this disease is that we will continue to try to pull people in that God is trying to pull out. And I want you to notice that Moses was so attached to the people that he came out with that he allowed them to keep him from going in. Oh, i got to say that again. Moses was so committed and so connected to the people that he led out that he, he forfeits his own opportunity to go in. And a lot of us are so committed to the people that we have around us that applaud for us and tell us we're doing a good job even though we're killing ourselves. And even though to, to get them to applaud, we got to do stuff we don't even want to do. We are so committed and connected to them that we will forfeit our purpose and our destiny and we cannot do what God is calling us to do because we are so committed to them. One of the indications that you are sick with the performance pathogen is you will continue to hold on to people that God is trying to get rid of in your life. And so I want to say to you this morning that those people cost Moses his destiny. My question is, is who do you have in your life that's caused, costing you your destiny? I know they're patting you on your back and telling you the best thing since sliced bread and you're all that in a bag of chips and you're the bomb and you're sick and you're, you're, you're fat and P-H-A-T and uh, you, you, all these terms. I don't, even know what, I don't even know what the new ones are. You're, you're lit. Yeah, you're lit, man. Well, then put me out. I don't understand. What's going on? But because, because they tell you all that, you keep them around, but they're destroying you on the other end. So how many of us are more committed to the people that we want to like us, to be proud of us, to cheer for us, than we are committed to our destiny? So we, 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 if we're not careful, we will let their disappointment or their lack of approval keep us from doing what God has called us to do. So you can see the same issue take place again in the New Testament around a fire. Peter has followed Jesus for three and a half years. He's seen him do all the miracles. He himself has declared that you are Christ, the son of the living God. But he walks up to the fire on the night that Jesus is being crucified. And a little girl speaks up and says, you're one of them. And his need to fit in so badly, approve of me. Approve it. Come on, y'all. Accept me. I want to be one of the guys. I want to be one. Of, I want to be out here at the fire. He, until it leads to his denial. My question, well, let's go back. Let's get real. The Bible says that he was so determined to fit in that he eventually cusses and says, I'm not one of those blankety blanks just to fit in. Can I ask you this morning? What are you having to do to fit in? How desperately do you need the people that you think you need to the degree that you will do things and say things that you would never say or never do otherwise and all for the sake of fitting in? If that's you this morning, then you have an approval addiction and you're sick from a performance pathogen. Second, the, the, the second thing I want to say to you this morning is that a performance pathogen causes what others think about us to change what we think about us. 
See, because this is what I've, I've recognized in, in many of us is that when we gather like this on Sunday, something happens to us, and it's a good thing. We walk in here, and we're downtrodden, and we're, we're disillusioned, and maybe had a rough week, and we walk in here, and all of a sudden, we begin to believe again that we are more than overcomers. As we gather and we sing together, we begin to, you know what? I am a conqueror. You know what? Lo and behold, I am the head, not the tail. Dad gummit, I, I'm somebody. Jesus loves me, set me free, delivered me. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm a great man. Come on now. And then we walk out of here and we allow what other people think change what we think about us. Listen, this morning I want to say to you that some of us just need to recognize that what other people think matters too much to us. I'm going to say that again. I think some of us need to recognize this morning the reason that we're so sick is because what other people think matters way too much to us. That showed up in Moses' life. What other people thought about him mattered so much that it showed up in his life. The way it shows up and it still, oh, this is going to get tight. It still reveals itself the same way today is this. This sickness causes us to mistake busy as a badge of honor. If I'm concerned about what everybody else thinks, it, this is how it showed up in Moses' life and how it shows up in most of our lives, then we, we come to this point that we think being busy is a badge of honor. So now when somebody says, how you doing? I'm busy. Busy. Burning the candles at both stinking ends. Don't have a day to myself. My calendar's full. I'm morning till night, bro. I'm busy. Look at my phone. Would you look at my calendar, my schedule? It's so full, I can't even breathe. I, I, get, up with the, I get up at the crack of dawn, and I go, in, I go to bed way after midnight. I'm busy all the time. Like, that's a badge of honor. And Jethro confronts Moses and says, listen, the real skill is not being busy. The real skill is stopping. Coming to a stop. According to Jethro, our, the achievement is not being booked. The achievement is being able to stop and say, listen, I don't care what you think about me. My family's more important. My time with God is more important. I, I know you're my boss and you signed my paycheck and I, and I appreciate you. But you're not even really my source. So I may just have to say no. Okay, so... I didn't figure that would go over great. Um, but just like Moses, our sickness shows up in our accomplishments. That's exactly what's going on. And I want to tell you that I'm going to try to help some of you real quick. I, I just got a few minutes. I'm going to try to help you real quick. All right. I just want to tell you this morning that you will, have to tr you will always have to reject something to achieve your purpose in life. Always. But if you're sick. You will allow someone's disappointment in what you are declining or what you're rejecting or what you're refusing to keep us from stopping what needs to be stopped because I'm more worried about what they think about me. Boy, I'm preaching and y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I, I, I just think you have to come to grips this morning with the fact that every day of your life you will disappoint someone. Otherwise, you have to sit in the seat all day long and judge. Has anybody else figured out that everybody else will keep you busy when God wants to keep you still? Okay. And it, 
can I help? I'm trying to help. I'm just not trying to point out the signal. I'm trying to help. Can I tell you how you can tell the difference? If they're sent by God, they will not try to keep you from your purpose. This gets really simple, y'all, if we would just apply this stuff. You can figure out who's God sent and who's devil sent by whether or not they're trying to keep you so busy that you can't achieve the thing that God has called you to achieve. Okay, I'm going to stop because y'all... So let me help you this morning. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to cure you right now. Are you ready? Here's the cure. Here it is. You need to learn from Moses' account and experience. This is deep. Are you ready? Here it is. You can never, never, never please people. That's the cure. That is the cure for the performance pathogen. When you come to grips with this understanding that you can never, never, never please people. I want you to remember that when Moses led the people out of bondage, they began to whine because they were thirsty. So what did he do? Think about what he did. I know he did it wrong, but just think about what he did. I, I, we want to we focus on the fact that he struck the rock and spoke instead of speaking to the rock. Dude, if, if I could strike the rock and water come out, that's pretty incredible. Right? So what did he do? He met their need. You know what they did? Complained. Then they move on into the wilderness and they get hungry. We're hungry, Moses. Feed us. You know what he does? He gets angel food cake, manna. Moses calls out to God, and God responds to Moses and drops manna from heaven. Angel food cake for days. You know what they did? They complained. Moses, we're tired of manna. We need, like, meat. Okay. Quail. Everywhere. And they eat meat for days. And they complain. You can never, never, never please people. In fact, I want you to hear me this morning. You will never do enough for people who want to keep you sick. Because if they can keep you sick with a performance pathogen, you will sit all day to do for them what they need done. So how do I know who those people are? How do I know who? Because I, I need some practical help. How do I know who, who the people are that are trying to keep me sick? You know how I know? They will only remember the one time I say no. Can you fix my car? Yeah, let me fix your car. Can you pay my bills? Yeah, let me pay your bills. Oh, I'm, I'm hungry. Can, okay, we'll take you to the pantry and get you some food. Can you send me on vacation? No. What? Are you crazy? You're supposed to be a pastor for the church. You don't even love people. Don't look at me like that. That happens every week around here. 
where we, we bless people and bless people and bless people, and then the one time we say no, then we don't know Jesus and we're not representing Jesus well. But don't look at me like that because it happens to you too. Because people in your life are going, do this for me and you do it. And they say, do this for me and you do it. And they ask, do this and you do it. And the one time you tell them no, they go off on you. They're trying to keep you sick. Listen, we were never called to, to please people. I, I want to help you this morning. I need you to embrace this truth. On our own, we're inadequate. But through the grace of what Jesus has done in our life, listen to this statement, listen to this statement, listen to this statement, because it is the cure right here. We are more than enough. If you never do anything else, you can, listen, you don't earn grace, you don't earn favor, you are good enough simply because of what Jesus has done in your life. You don't have to perform for anybody, you don't have to live your life worried about what other people think. If you know Christ as your Savior, then you can walk out of this room and whether they like you or dislike you, applaud for you or throw rocks at you, praise you or curse you, you are good enough and you can be you can be convinced of that in your spirit enough that you can say, I'm living to please you. And if I have to say no to them, so be it. And my concern this morning is that a lot of us in this room are sick with a performance pathogen so that we're so busy that we sit in judgment all day long we sit confused all day long and we sit hurried all day long and I'm here like Jethro saying what you're doing bro ain't good you're giving all your time to people that don't matter and don't have enough time to give to your wife and mama you're so busy doing all the other stuff trying to keep the perfect house so the neighbors will think you have the cleanest house in the block but you don't have enough time for your own children what you're doing is not good you're running yourself into the ground physically. You're sick because you're not getting enough rest because even God rested on the seventh day. But you're so busy. You're sick. It's not good. I'm trying to please all these people that can never be pleased. It's not good. So rest in this fact. You, let's do this. Oh, this, this messes with people who have performance pathogen right here. This messes with your pastor a little bit right here. All right, would, would, you, would you say this with me? I don't have to do anything else. Darren's shaking his head at me. He knows. Come on, there's liberty in what I just said. It, listen, this, doesn't, this does not give you permission to do nothing because you are called to fulfill the purpose that he called you to fulfill. What it does is it keeps you from doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. Come on, one more time. One, two, three. You don't have to do anything else. Okay, we're really going to get practical. Would you touch your neighbor right now and say, I ain't trying to please you. Come on, tell him. Come on, tell him. I ain't trying to please you. Okay, we laugh. We laugh, we laugh, but let me tell you what just happened. I don't even think you know it. If Tari looks at me and says he's not trying to please me, then it frees him in two ways. Number one, he can do what God's called him to do. And number two, listen, it frees him from my expectations. 
because I'm, I, I'm, I, I'd like to put my expectations on you, bro. I need you to do some stuff. But what if they're not what God's called you to do? You ain't trying to please me. Father, this morning I pray. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.